stepping back and stroking to Bogdanovich, thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! See it again. No double team help, and Embiid takes it right to the rack. Embiid, step back, jumper. What's going on, everybody? It is Tuesday night, about 7.30, uh, the week of Thanksgiving. I wanted to give everybody a special guest before the holiday this week. I thought, what better person than to welcome back someone who was with the Sixers for NBC Sports Philadelphia, covering on the sideline, and then with the pandemic, had to sort of remanage some things, and then is now back covering them with the Locked On Sixers podcast that Keith Pompey used to host. I have Serena Winters with me tonight. Serena, how are you? Yes, Austin. I'm happy to be here. Like you said, just happy to be covering Sixers basketball again. And thanks for having me. Thank you for taking time out of your busy week to uh, to come on. I know it's I know that it's a team where you, it's sort of like if you're not consulting your your local psychologist at least once, <laughs> once, at least once a week, you're like, am I normal? But you know, it's it, it's always something to talk about. Always something to write about with this squad. So it's always something. There is there is no shortage of stories, that's for sure. But I will tell you now that I'm hosting this daily Sixers podcast, you know, at some point I'm really gonna get sick of having to do Ben Simmons updates all the time. <laughs> I just, you know, it's an everyday thing, Monday through Friday, a half an hour. And at some point, Austin, it's gotta end. Yeah, um, I, I've written extensively about that. I just feel like for now, let him, you know, let let him do what he has to do. But don't don't, don't jeopardize your future for the sake of a lower value right now. Even if you know down the down the line you have regrets, it's it's better to wait it out. I think because well, here's the thing: is we're gonna see how it all plays out here at some point. I swear it's. There's reality TV shows out there, and then there's the Sixers team, you know, and the Sixers team is here. I mean, we get the real reality of it, so we do have that. Yeah, I'm listening to your episode with Kyle, and you guys talked extensively about the whole situation and, you know, the the rumors about uh, Jeremy Grant and whatnot. I do kind of feel like it's swinging towards the way of like a wing because of of Tyrese Maxey's emergence. Um, But we'll give you a break from Ben Simmons talk and, and, and to some other uh, trends from this two and I think three, it is road trip right now. Um, They get a big win last night against the Kings. um, And, you know, Seth Curry did not play in that game. um, But after just a scorching hot start to the season, uh, had a usage of 16.7%. Um, which was, you know, as cleaning the glass defines that it's basically the plays that the player is consuming by shooting, by assisting, by turning the ball over 16.7% before Embiid um, leaves for the health and safety protocol. Since then, his usage within the offense has really stepped up. It's 20.3% now, which is basically top 75% of the league um, or top 25% of the league, I should say. Um, Before Embiid goes out, his efficiency is just bananas. Um, he's you know, basically all across the boards in 90 percentiles. Then since Embiid goes out, dropped, dropped significantly. 
I gotta say, I don't, I, I don't love that he is handling the ball so much within the offense. Not just with, not just with or without Joel, but I feel like you, you have this young, um, you know, spark plug in your offense in Tyrese Maxey. There doesn't need to be such heavy usage for Seth Curry to drain energy because I feel like your offense is going to operate at its best level at its at its maximum capacity if Seth is working off ball is in that two man game with Joel. He doesn't have to be reading and and and, and navigating pick and rolls and trying to make things happen out there. That's a duty he's adopted in his 30s, and I don't think it's that conducive to a high level offense. What do you think about that? Well, I think the simplest way to put it is how you started the conversation is that Seth Curry's role when Joel Embiid is out there on the court is much different than when he's not. And I think that's why we're seeing such a difference in his effectiveness out there. I mean, look, he shoots less catch and shoot without Joel and he shoots more pull-ups. Yeah. So that's not where his game thrives, right? He's better when he doesn't put the ball on the ground. Well, he's putting the ball on the ground, like you said, a lot more right now without Joel Embiid. So for me, the answer is pretty simple. And it comes down to spacing. And we know the difference between with Joel and without Joel is night and day. And I really think that that's why we see a guy like Seth Curry where his you know, bread and butter is catch and shoot threes. Um, and he's so good out there when the spacing is good because of Joel Embiid that he has to then play a different game when he's not out there on the court. So to me, that is where I see the biggest challenge now for Seth Curry is just that he is having to adjust his game because the spacing is not the same. And he's shooting a lot more pull-up jumpers as an example. I mean, as you said, going back to the start of the season, you know, I guess if we want to just look at the numbers pre-Joel and post-Joel, he was shooting an effective field goal percentage of over 70%, right? That's ridiculous. 100% high on the league. It's top of the league. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and then you then look at after Joel Embiid was put in health and safety protocols and he drops down to just over 40%. That's a 30% difference. Yeah, That's huge. And yeah. so to me, we talk about all of these little things, but at the end of the day, I think the answer to why is pretty simple and it's that Joel Embiid isn't there. So his role has changed. The spacing has changed and he's been asked to adjust his game and that's what he has to do, but we're not going to see him at his best right now. And so that's my take on what we're seeing with Seth Curry. I think, you know, you bring up the Embiid spacing point. That's kind of like what I noted Um before you know, MB goes into the COVID protocol, sixty-seven percent of of Steph's made shots were assisted. Since then, it's been fifty-seven percent. So yeah. that isn't a massive. That's it's actually not a massive jump in terms of just the, the percentages, but in terms of league rankings, that goes from the bottom half to the top twenty in terms of the amount of you know shots that that are being self-provisioned. So I think he's expensing a lot of energy just trying to get to trying to keep himself open. I mean, he takes a massive, massive step back to create space with that one leg. And, you know, that's a lot of upper a lower body mechanic to, to generate power under his shot. But I think, you know, you nail it there with the MB factor, his spacing, the ability to command double teams and now his proficiency in the last you know year and a quarter or whatever it might be of 
I, I feel this double team coming. I'm going to swing it across to Seth, to Seth who is now wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's something that when Joel comes back and, 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 and Doc may, maybe now trusts Tyrese a little more because he's been on fire, um, like ridiculous lately. That maybe, ridiculous. yeah, that maybe uh, Seth will, you know, he'll say like, well, maybe we're more effective with Seth as the off ball guy. Um, punishing, you know, o- o- over over people who are over helping on Joel or just breaking backs in transition, um, and we'll just give the ball to Tyrese, let him push the ball down everybody's throats. Um, but I'm not I'm, I'm not worried about it yet because he, he's a shooter. He's a guy who's adapted to a, a much bigger role with Joel out. Um, but it, it is kind of weird to, to see like him go come back down to earth a little bit. We were like, well, he wasn't. He was making nine out of every 10 shots last week. What's going on this week? Now it's only four out of every 10. Yeah. uh, But like I said, I think the answer is simple. And so like you, I'm not worried about it. I'm just not. Yeah. He is the long two king though. Like I've never seen anybody that step like just, (laughs) just, just within the line. You're like, Oh, step that back one more. One more inch. You're the analytic darling. And he's just hitting the long twos now. (laughs) Um, Since Joel goes out, uh, Andre Drummond is is coming. It's 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 vacillated with with his performance. I feel like um, with his level of you know attention to detail and um, his urgency. I think as a defender, last night he was sensational. He was. Um, but I'm really intrigued by the Maxi and Drummond minutes. Doc has largely, I guess, tethered Maxi's minutes with Andre Drummond's minutes. Um, 25 and a half per game with Drummond and Maxi together. And then, you know, only 11.4 minutes per game with Maxi without Drummond. Um, and the offense, you know, by the way, when in those Maxi uh, Drummond minutes, they are minus 2.9 per 100 possessions. So they're still getting outscored. Um, I feel like with that, you have a guy like Drummond, doesn't have an outside game. And your your defender that you have there is naturally going to be anchored to the rim more because there's no reason to 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 come out and contest Andre Drummond in a DHO, um, and I and I think what that's doing is it's making Tyrese's life the slightest bit harder because this guy likes to get downhill, likes to get to the rim. If you have a a rim protector there who doesn't feel the pressure of coming out and contesting on Drummond like they would with Joel, it's going to be harder for him to get to hit, get to the rim and really put pressure on your defense. So then my question to you, Austin, is what would you like to see change rotation-wise right now? Right. So it's a great question. I think what I might prescribe in this scenario is get a little smaller. Um, if you can, maybe go Paul Reed out there. He's not, he's not, you know, he, he's not even catching the basket on his threes right now. I mean, it's 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 quite quite sad to see. Um, but I still think that just somebody that can maybe pull a defense out a little bit more or even put Niang at the five. We'll go into that a little bit more deeply, but I think right now it's, there's not much of a better option out there, but I don't know that that necessarily means that you have to, you have to sort of uh, tie Tyrese to Andre Drummond. See, it doesn't really bother me. And I think it also goes back to that. This is the lineup that the Sixers currently have. Yeah. You're going to have Drummond in the starting lineup without Joel, and you're going to have Maxi. And could you stagger a little differently um, with the bench rotation? Sure. But this isn't something that, you know, lights me up at all. 
Um, I, I understand your point. However, and, and Andre Drummond is polarizing, Austin, yes. I'll say. Yes. And maybe we should talk a little bit about that because, you know, you look at his stat sheet and really for most of the games that he played, if you didn't watch the game, his stat sheets are pretty darn good, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. And the difference then is if you watch the game, there are a lot of things that can frustrate you about yes. Andre Drummond. <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. The main one for me is, you know, just within two feet. Uh. <laughs> just within two feet of that beautiful rim. Why it is so difficult for him to make it inside the cylinder, right? So there's definitely frustrations if you watch a lot of Sixers basketball versus if you just look at the stat sheet. With that being said, you take it a, a game the other night against the Kings, and like you said, Drummond was sensational. And with that type of matchup, you know, he can really shine. Now, Drummond cannot play in every matchup. Right. Once Joel comes back, there's going to be games where Drummond shouldn't be getting a lot of minutes yeah. because it's just not going to work out. Um, but right now, it doesn't bother me because who do the Sixers have? Yeah. Well, you're going to you're going to just have more Paul Reed minutes. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's not a perfect world. Like you're 100% right. And and that's sort of the give and take of what they have right now. Um but I also feel like they have you you you, you we're in an age where you can where teams will go smaller. Mm -hmm. Um there are times when, you know, the fans will like beg Doc to go smaller. They'll beg him to play Paul Reed and we can get into that a little bit now. I think the 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 writing is on the wall. The tea leaves kind of say like I don't believe internally they're 100% connected on what Paul Reed is. Like, I think some people think he's a center. Some people think he's a power forward. I think he's a power forward. Um, but I, I, I think a lot of it, you put him in, like you, you put him in a game and you're just not quite sure what he's going to do on the offensive end of the floor. He's like a sort of a, of a mixed box of, of tools. If he feels empowered to do something more than he has to, he will. And you're like, why are you trying to reverse pivot into a fadeaway jumper? There's no reason to do that. Just, 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 you know, set screens dive. Um, but you know the the whole Bassey, I think, is not a pick and pop threat by any means right now. But I think there's something there where maybe he can be a little bit more effective than Andre Drummond has out of the short roll, um, because he has a little bit of a, of a touch from the free throw line. Um, Andre Drummond, by the way, this is a great number for you. Um, oh no! What, what would you guess his? Well, you probably know this already. But what 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 what, what do you what would you think his uh, percentage at the rim is? Of shots he's making. Ooh, I don't know this, but somewhere in between 52 and 58%, something wow. like that. We'll take it in the average, 55%. Yes. Do you know what that is in the league percentile? <sighs> Bottom 15. It's a 12 percentile. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I don't want to hound on the guy because he's a $1.6 million center. You got up the minimum. Yeah, he's what exactly. But my God, he's six foot ten, six eleven. You got to make some more shots at the rim. That's, that's all. It's all anyone's asking for. And he dunked one home last night in crunch time. Which, to his yep. credit, I was like, "This ball is going to hit the rim, and pop out on him." I know it. I know it's coming, and it didn't. <laughs> but uh, 
but no, I mean, I, th I think you're, I think you're, you know, you're right at the moment. It's okay. Um, because it, it is what the, it's what they have. Um, but it, it is, I would think rationally, if you're, if you're trying to get Tyrese Maxey going and, you're try and your offense is so dependent upon what he can do on the court, getting the, getting the biggest man on the defense out of his way is the most imperative, I guess, goal in a sense, but I hear you, but have you seen Maxie's yeah. numbers? Like yeah. he's having yeah. no problem finding space and getting to the rip. That's he's right. Not. That's right. So that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, let me give you this stat I wrote down that I saw, what I thought was just ridiculous. Um, just for Maxie. I saw that for best self-created effective field goal percentage this season. Where did you Minimum find that? Minimum of 150 self-created attempts and i'll look up where I, I found it on sport info 24 7 wow okay wow so, so I, you, you 24 7 me. he's number four you, okay number that's four cool. that's nuts this is the list seth curry number one at 56.4 percent katie jalen brunson and then tyrese maxi at 53.6 yeah yeah and then you've got John Morant, who's fifth. So just a quick Tyrese Maxey rant there, because I I saw that while doing some research for my podcast. And I was like, what? Yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> That's incredible. So, no, it really is. And But what I've learned most about that, that the rant there is that you're very much like me in that while I'm in my, I'm in my 20s and I have my friends who will go out to bars on, on weekends and they're like, what do you say? I'm not in my twenties anymore. I don't, know. I, don't, I don't want to assume anything. Huh? I don't know. <laughs> we'll, 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 I'll say, I'll, I'll give it to you in, in your, in your twenties. We'll give it to you. Ooh, um, yeah, not in my twenties anymore. You're right. <laughs> but while, while your friends and while my friends might go out to a bar on, on the weekends, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go like, Read cleaning the glass and have a couple of beers. And they're like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm an NBA nerd and this is what I do. So you, the fact that you pulled that stat out, I, I, I love it. I, that's, that's fantastic stuff. I love that. I mean, it was impressive. Gotta, <laughs> gotta give credit where credit's due, man. I saw that and I just stopped what I was doing and wrote that down. I was just like, what? Yeah. So, I mean, just goes to the point of the Andre Drummond, Tyrese Maxi minutes. They must not be all that bad. No, you're right. You're right. You know? You're right. Um, tell you else who's who's not bad. George's Niang has been a tremendous, tremendous addition to this team, um, especially when you compare his production to what Mike Scott was was or was not giving you. Mm -hmm. um, now they've inserted Niang in the starting lineup the last couple of games. I like the adjustment from Doc. Um, it was probably also partially because of personnel, because like you don't have Danny Green, but but um, in the Denver game, their starting lineup was minus three point four per hundred. Portland game minus 33.3 per 100 and then the sack game minus 11.3 per 100 so not the not getting those lineups weren't that successful but that doesn't mean that Niang is the factor there because when you isolate him and I don't like using offensive or defensive rating or net rating against one player because it's 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 count counts for the entire five on the floor but when Niang was on the court, the Sixers were plus 11 per 100. So I think that's more telling of, of what he's doing out there. Um, I think, you know, as a starter, he's, he's a small sample size and he's out of his intended role. So I don't look too much into that. But I think having him in 
such a such a, a, a minute rich role and where he's you know being as he's starting small forward or whatever and maybe when he comes when Tobias comes back that'll be different when Danny comes back that'll be different but right now that in a, in a switch defensive scheme he's getting targeted and targeted and targeted and in isolation it's target 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 because the reality is this as good of an offensive player as he's been he's been tremendous for them in terms of his three-point volume and the ability to like just maneuver the ball over the rim like a minivan um he's very you know he's not agile and he's kind of heavy-footed and so those are going to be the issues that you face if you're in a switch scheme and you have a guy like that who is not a small forward at all um is not is not that terribly athletic either there's going to be a lot of opportunity for defenses to pick that apart. And that's not really Niang's fault per se. I don't think, I think it's more of a defensive scheme issue. Um, but what have you seen out of the Niang starting minutes? Well, something I do find interesting with the starting minutes versus the non-starting minutes is that his numbers haven't really changed all that much. Yeah. I mean, when Niang was coming off the bench, he was averaging 11.7 points per game. And then what he started the past three games and he's up to 12.7, right? So it's a one point difference and he's playing 13 more minutes. Yeah. So to me, I like Niang for what he is and we know what his strengths are. Um, Similar to Seth Curry in that you want a guy on the floor that can stretch the floor, that can catch and shoot, knock it down, but also similar to Seth, you can get targeted on defense. Yeah. Right. So Again, I like him for what he is, and I think that, look, we know the Sixers need to have perimeter shooters around Joel, and so for him, in some coming off the bench minutes when Joel gets back and knocking down shots, that's the role that I see for him. Um, you know, a guy playing 36.1 minutes and having similar production to when he's playing 23.6 minutes. I think that kind of shows my point there. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'll say is I'm ready for a new nickname. <laughs> I, I get it. I agree. I agree. I, I think I, I like the old school Chevy idea. That was something that it was before you're, you, I think you were still in, in Los Angeles, um, okay. Lakers, but this was in the process years. I think it was Malik Rose, maybe not, maybe not, but I, it was it was the pre Allah uh, color commentator who gave Elton Brand the name Old School Chevy. Yeah, and I feel like that kind of fits Niang a little bit too because he can do a little bit more than a minivan can. He doesn't. Get and not t- only that, but can we talk about the minivan nickname came <laughs> because he was the minivan to Donovan Mitchell's Ferrari. Oh, that's, that's, that ruins it. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's that's a very sad story. Do, do people not realize that? So he's with the Sixers now. He's a Sixer, right? Like, let's not call him the minivan to somebody else's Ferrari. Come on now. I feel like we need something better. He, he He's he's the Ferrari to his own Ferrari. Or he's the <laughs> he's the Ferrari to the Sixers bench is what we can call him. I'm just saying. We got we to gotta, uh, all come together and yeah. come up with a new nickname, I think. I agree. And if, by the way, if you look at his like shot profile, you can mm-hmm. sort of tell like, oh, this guy is right out of a Quinn Snyder system because if he's not getting to like within three feet of the rim and like pushing the ball over the rim with every bit that he has in his body, he's shooting threes. And it's just like, it's like the analytical masterpiece of what the modern day game is. And I'm sure yeah. Daryl likes that a lot. Um, 
but the other night, and I was thinking about this, then the other night he probably takes a step back too from like the corner. And I'm thinking, like, well, there goes my theory. And just, <laughs> just throw the shot chart away. We can we can we can go now. Um, before I let you go, I, I wanted to talk about the bassy stuff a little bit. Okay. Because that a little bit. Um, everything I've seen out of Bassey, I've loved. Um, I think his, his frame is tremendous for a backup big role. Um, and I, I think the issue that long term that they're gonna have is if they develop him right, he's going to price himself out of the, out of, out of the backup role. It's sort of how it goes. I mean, Daniel Tice was in Boston. He got really good uh, over, over, you know, a couple of years. And now he's signing a big deal with the Houston Rockets. Although they're one in 16, he still, you know, he, he got the bag that he, that, that he had earned. Um, so a backup stretch guy, if he can become that is going to price themselves out of your market. But I, I think for now, incredible ranks, incredible instincts at the rim, really mm-hmm. good protector there. Um, and then in the Sacramento game, I really liked how just he was intuitive in in, in his in, in his ability to just screen and, and roll. And it was he w- it wasn't like you know committing offensive fouls with 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 bad screens. He was just screening and then opening and just kind of roaming off a little bit to see how the play unfolded. And then the pass was there. He's taking it and he's acting, or he's just going right to the rim and waiting. Um, I, I, I I've come around on him or. I think I've progressed in my feelings about him more than I have about Paul Reed. I like Paul Reed, the energy guy. I think he's a, I think he's one of those rare breeds where like if energy, if energy is a skill, he has that skill. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just sort of think the tangible value long-term is more with Charles Bassey than it is with Paul Reed. I see your point. And by the way, I dig the sea bass nickname. I think that's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I think I was so impressed with Bassey in the Nuggets game. So impressed. It was an eye-opener for me. Specifically because he was defending the former MVP in Jokic. And did he make mistakes? Yes. Did he also block Jokic out of his own house? Yes. (laughs) Um, And is he a rookie? Yep. And like you said, with the game the other night the intuitive part with the screening actions that's rare for a rookie. Yeah. So to already have signs of that, I definitely like that as well. Um, He's been consistent too over his last four games. And look, doc has always been a guy who does not like to play rookies. Yeah. And right now, Seabass is showing doc that at least for now, like, He's got to keep playing them. Yeah. I mean, he's averaging over the past, I think, four games, 14 minutes a game, something like six points, six rebounds, which is solid. Yeah. Um, And what was interesting, too, is we didn't get to see him play in Summer League, right? So it was kind of like a little bit of a mystery. We didn't know how good he could be. There wasn't much talk on him. So – He's surprising us. So that yeah. adds to the storyline of, oh, this guy, this guy could really be something. Um, but to your point, I think he has a lot of potential and maybe more potential, like you said, to get the bag than a guy like B-Ball Paul. Yeah. Um, and you also love what Reed brings with the energy side. They're, they're different skill sets, but definitely been impressed with Charles Bassey. And hopefully we continue 
in this road trip to see what he can do. But the Sixers have, man, they've got a tough game coming up against the Warriors. Speaking of our talk about Andre Drummond and, you know, you kind of wanting the Sixers to go smaller. Well, to beat the Warriors right now, I don't know how you beat the Warriors right now. They're, yeah, they've only been just, beaten two times, one of which was in overtime and one of which was kind of a fluke. Um, but you can either try to go big, but then you've got to be able to keep up with them because they can run you out of the gym, right? So yep. we'll see that with Andre Drummond or not. Um, or you try to match him. Yeah. I think you just submit and you roll over and you're like, all right, you submit all right. And roll over. That's it. That's it. That's it. Um, Get me out of here. On to the next one. That's right. I think like one thing that people kind of discount with, 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 with intuitive big men on offense is if it, if you have a tendency within your offense to really favor one side of the floor in terms of like the left side versus the right side, I think that big man, if they're, if they, if they have the vision of, 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 of the way they can make the occasional pass, when you set that pick and roll, that can really open up your other side of the floor. Because if they're if you're if you're delivering that pass and they're like at the free throw line extended, they're either looking at the basket, they're looking for a cutter, or they're looking to, for their shooter on the weak side. And that really opens up and creates a, a, a sort of a connective tissue for your offense in a way that I think that they lack a lot of the time with 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 Paul Reed. Because Paul Reed catches it and he's like full speed ahead. I'm going off the rim. I don't know. I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm going for the rim. And I, I do feel like th that you have that dynamic with Drummond. You have that with Bassey. It's not that can really help them um, going forward. Now I, I, I have kept you exactly 30 minutes. So Serena, um, where can everybody find your work? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Serena Winters. You can support the pod locked on Sixers by just listening to it. That's all I need. Just some listens. We are Monday through Friday. Every morning I have a pod out. Um, so yeah, listen to the pod. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, literally any single place that you would listen to a podcast. Uh, you can find it. Locked on Sixers. Serena Winters, everybody. Thank you for your time tonight. Austin Krell, everybody. You are very welcome. Uh, stepping back and stroking <laughs> to Bogdanovich, thinking about a three. There it is.